was often lay awake at night thinking that if there was no food, I would, I'd be forced, I'd be forced into crime. I'd get money somewhere and uh, I'd be prepared for the consequences. Now, uh, there's a system in this country, I don't know if you're aware of it, that a married man with four kids gets 80 pounds on the labour. That's on long duration, that's uh, after being idle for 15 months, you go down to assistance. Now, if I was in the GI, my wife would get 30 to 40 quid a week more. She'd get prisoner's wife's allowance. And that's a lot more than I'm getting on the dole. So I'd have that as a consolation. If I was locked up in the GI, she'd still be financially secure. She'd be better off than if I was just there and on the dole. But uh, I'd definitely get the money somewhere. I've given up looking for a job. I don't really care if I get one now or if I don't get a job. Well, I'm not really depressed now. I think because there's so many people like me. And, you know, more now most people understand what it's like to be unemployed. That people are not saying, oh, yeah, she's just a labourer. She won't get out and look for a job now. So I'm not really depressed. Sometimes I do, like, if I'm going out and I've no money and I have to get money off me ma, then I kind of say, God, I wish I had a job. But apart from that, just kind of content. <laughs> No, sometimes it does get real depressed. Like at the beginning, you know, at the beginning was okay, but then after a while I start getting depressed. And I says to myself, well, what's the hell in getting depressed, you know? Like I'm not going to get a job whether I'm happy or sad. I might as well be happy, you know, grin and bear it now. You tend to get up early, go out, look for jobs, go up to manpower, scour the papers, um, ask around, write letters, look for bits and pieces of work, um, help out at home. That was it. That wears off after a while, though. You get tired of looking for jobs. No replies coming back to say whether you did or you didn't get it. Even if you didn't get it, it'd be nice to get a reply back, but you never did get it. So we we'll just get so browned off that you can't keep up with it. I knew that there was a lot of unemployment, but I thought we would have got a job. Because, you know, after going through all that school, you know, just presume you're going to get a job, especially after getting your leaving cert. The shop there now killed out the weekends in a car accident. And another chap that's unemployed, and he said something very hard, very, on, very honest, and very outspoken. Chap, he says, "Don't you get, don't you get buried very fucking quick?" Right, you know, for a minute, what are you, what are you talking about? And that chap that was killed, he's gone. He's buried now already. I says, "He next week he says somebody will ask who is that? Maybe a man." And he says, "Won't remember him. He's close next to kin will remember him, but his friends." And neighbours as such will not remember them. They'll remember their own kin quicker. It's always very, very true. That's why I say, like, better off giving us an injection and saying, away with you. You know, we had... We've had enough. I've had enough. If it's not going to get better, and they know it's not going to get better, I mean in the government. Not just the government that's in power now, but all the politicians. They know it's not going to get better. Why punish us any further? Jerry's had enough in one sense. He's a qualified roofer and felter, and he's without a job for eight years. But he hasn't got enough to support his wife and four young children the way he'd like to. Jerry is one of the people from the Darndale, Priorswood, Coolock area that we meet in this programme. Some are married, some are very young and single, but they all share one common bond, and that's the frustration of not having a job. Michael is a young unemployed hotel worker 
Lorraine and Karen did the Leaving Cert last June and emerged full of hope, but they're still hoping for that elusive job. John got bored with the management course and had to opt for social welfare. Gary is a young carpenter and he's out of work for two years. Dennis is in his late 40s, has a young family and after 30 years in the motor industry, he's now unemployed. It's over three years since Edward joined the Dole Queue after regular employment as a steel erector. I have four children, small bobby, four small bobbies, like, you know, and uh, it's very, very difficult to try and make ends meet. So uh, I, I can't see any future in this country myself. Things seem to be going from bad to worse. And uh, the old budget we're after having, it's going to make things twice as hard. Well, Edward, how do you manage then? What do you have so much in the dole? 80-something pounds, I suppose. Well, it's 81 pound near enough, you see. Now, over that, you have to feed, clothe, food, and then the, uh, the fuel, of course, that's, uh, that has to be taken care of. Well, after that, you see, by the end of the week, you have to borrow. You're borrowing, actually, from the middle of the week. And when you do get your money, you pay back what you owe, and then you borrow again the following day, like, you know? It's well, very is, is it easy not to get people to borrow from? No, it's only your own family. Like you can't, you can't go just just any of your neighbours. You have to. It's your immediate family, like you know. And uh, I'm sure they must get a pain listening to you coming down and lend a fiver, lend a tenner, lend us this till children's allowance day, or lend us this like get me doll. But uh, it's just like that, like you know. You have to try and keep going. Only well, if only for the children's sake, you know. My wife was a single man. I wouldn't be in this country, I'd be over in Australia or somewhere like that, like, you know. But, <laughs> but do your children then ever suffer any hardship? So, uh, so uh, do they ever suffer hardship, Edward, as regards food, art, love? <clears throat> well, no. You see, what you do, you hide a lot from them. You see, uh, they do have, uh, in the schools, they do have these uh, outings. You know, the teacher says that we have to bring in two pounds if we want to go to, say, uh, to the zoo, or we want to go to a film show. Well, you tell them that you'll be bringing them down to their grannies that day so they won't be able to go. You try to keep them filled, like, you know. But uh, you feel it more so than the children because you know what you're depriving them of. The children, you can, you can only fool them so far, but you try and keep it hidden from them. Now, there's uh, my youngest fella. No, he's, uh, he's eight. He says to me uh, he wants to go to New York when he's big. And the wife said to him, that's great. He said, how are you going to get the money? He said, I get around the labour like me dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he's only eight years of age. Now, uh, he was five when I was laid off. And he can't really remember when I was working. I've always been there in the morning when he was going to school. Now, if I, if I did get a job and leave the house at seven o'clock, he'd wake up and think I wasn't in the house all night. He's used to me being there, like, you know. And now the younger children... They're still, they're not aware of the hardships that's going on. It's the eight and nine-year-olds. They, they pick up everything. They can see. And uh, Christmas just gone out. We got into debt just to get them their clothes and a few tyres. But they're still comparing their tyres to the other tyres that the kids have. And like I said, there's 45 to 50 people in my area like that. And all the kids comparing the ties they have. I'm way daddy's not walking, my daddy's walking. It's uh it's began it, it's turned out like now it's their standard of life, that's all they know. And if they did get a few bleeding shillings they wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs>
I've worked hard all me life, and I'll tell to you no lie. Down in the local dockyards, as a man and boy. But now the bosses tell me they'll have to let me go. I'm just another number. I'm signing on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole. It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man, the grub, the gas, the coal, sure isn't much left over when you're signing on the dole. Oh, Mary wants a new dress and Johnny needs new shoes. Hey, little Charlie's bum sticking out Sure gives me the blues Somehow we'll have to manage On our couple of bob And hope someday for better things If I can get a job I'm on the dole On the dole On the dole On the dole It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul By the time we pay the rent man The grub, the gas, the coal well, it was a, a big shock at the time, as I said, but um, again, the first um, month or two, you didn't mind, like, you know, you said, well, okay, I'm young enough yet and we shouldn't be uh, too hard to get another job. And again, we had a bit of money to tide us over. But as it goes on, you find it's not like that. And when you go for a job, they um, ask your age, and when you hear over 40, oh, that's just like, uh, you shouldn't be looking for a job even. There's 25,000, they say, uh, young people and more in Dublin alone is looking for a job. So you're on the scrap heap, if you like, uh, um, middle 40s, and you're on the scrap heap. It doesn't make sense. And that has happened to you. Oh, yes, <laughs> indeed. That's the reaction you get. And do you find then that firms are unsympathetic when you tell them that you have... Although you're over 40, you still have a young family to support. Oh, well, th again, it's economics with them. They say that, um, uh, well, they don't say it, but from experience, they know, know that by employing the young people, they can pay them a much less wage than um, they'd have to pay an older person. And um, they're getting the work, and that's all they're interested in. They're getting the cheap. It's a form of cheap labour with them, so it uh, boils down to economics in the end. Do you find now, Dennis, that people have grown callous in their attitude to employees? Oh, yes. Because um, the, if, you, if you're working, you think the people on the dollar are having a, a grand time. And it goes back to the fact that you're paying social welfare like, to keep these people. At least that's what's been drummed into you. But uh, like people who were um, on the dollar have been working for years too and paying the same thing, so they're only getting a a portion of the payments that he made over these years. So I, I think that's a bit unfair on the people who are in work. Like it's a, a one-sided view of the day, they're looking down. And there is also the thing that they could be out of work next week. You know, the, the position could be reversed. And they wouldn't like people uh, looking down on them. So your attitude now, Dennis, to people on the dole has changed a lot since you became unemployed yourself. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's always a... Uh, the other side of the coin, when you, you go down and you're, you're meeting hundreds of people who are in the same boat as yourself, like, you know, and it's the same story as yourself. Did you try this? Did you try that? Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing doing. And you're going round and, you know, they, it, it comes 
back to self-respect too, like, you know, you feel you're losing a bit of your self-respect because um, I suppose, well, maybe women's living will change all this, but uh, it's been traditionally the man's role to be the breadwinner in the house. And uh, when he loses that role, it does, it, or it can um, affect him, like, you know. No, you have an understanding family, it won't be so hard, like, you know. But that is a problem that a lot of men face. How many jobs now would you have looked for since you became unemployed? Well, in applied in writing, I'd say about three to four hundred, at least. That's now off the top of my head, three to four hundred. Um, ringing up and being told that the position has already been filled, I've spent a fortune on phone calls since August. Um, you just give up, you just get round off, so round off. And then the money on the dole isn't enough to feed you. And what kind of money have you now on the dole? Um, well, since August, I had I have two year stamps worked up, I get £39 a week. Out of that, I hand up £15 at home. Uh, some weeks only 10. Um, I smoke, so that's another, I know that's my own fault, but that's another 10 to 15 pounds a week, I know it's a bit too. So there's not much of a social life. Oh yeah, you get very bogged down. Um, there was a while ago there, before Christmas, just before I joined an association I'm in at the moment, um, you got very depressed, very dejected. You felt there was a stigma attached to what happened to you and it wasn't your fault. Um, then I joined uh, an association called the YCW. They keep me very busy. Every night of the week there's meetings during the day. You meet lots of people, very interesting people, so I think I'm, I'm very lucky in that respect. Now, would you take any kind of job at all, now, or are you particular about what you would get? I'd take any job at all, so long as it paid decently, fairly decently, that I could live on it. Now, if you hadn't the home to stay in, how would you manage? I wouldn't be able to manage. I wouldn't be able to afford a flat, to feed myself, clothe myself. I wouldn't be able, there's no way, there's no, it's impossible. In two weeks time I'll be going on to assistance and that'll be 18 pounds a week if I'm lucky, if I get that much. I mightn't even qualify for that much, they have to do a means test. So I don't think I'd be able to ever live on your own, on the doll. Well then, in the middle of all this, uh, do you have any hope of a job? Not in the near future, no, definitely. Not, I don't think so, no. No way. And would you blame anybody for it? I blame... I think there's two sides to every story. I blame the government, plus I blame the people as well, looking for more money when obviously it isn't there. There's not a lot of it around. The workers are looking for more money. I know they deserve it, but if they could just hold back and give a few more people a few jobs. And the government, well, they didn't do anything in their budget recently. So they didn't do anything for unemployed. They pushed it up by a couple of percent, but that's not much good to anyone. There's no jobs. I do get up when I want. Um, I do what I want. I go to bed when I want. And I've no routine. And I think you need a routine to stop you from getting depressed. And do you read a lot or watch television during the day? Well, I watch it, television, OK, and I read quite a lot, yes. And what do your parents say, or what do you have then? I mean, you were going to college, weren't you? Yes. To, uh, where? Brett Mines, study management. And what made you feel like giving it up then? Did you feel that you wouldn't get a job at the end of it, or did you get bored with the content of the course? Well, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. do. Like, it was a course where you get a grant from the EC. I think it was £11 a week, and it was very boring. I found it very boring. 
and I couldn't see anything at the end of it to stick it out. Well, are you happier now that you have given up the course? Well, now I am. I'm treating this like a holiday. But I can see myself slipping into unemployment depression. Well, what kind of money have you now? I get £13 vipings off the dole, which is barely enough after giving me mother something to keep me, to keep me there, and I find it's okay. I would like more, though. What? Two years now, I work. What bits of jobs, like a week or two with builders and that's it. How do they get stuck down? You know, some other work and they just lay off and you're back in the hole again. That kind of a thing, like. But is it unusual now to have a carpenter unemployed? I always thought there was full employment for carpenters and for plumbers. Oh no, all trades now is getting a regular habit for them all to be out of work and then the likes of the labourers and the, just the people going on sites now nearly always have to work, like, you know. But the actual tradesman does not work for them now, lately anyway, you know. Especially now we're all this big. You know, recession, especially in the building game, like there's nothing stored in there all anywhere. And what do you do now every day? What time do you get up in the morning? What kind of routine have you? Well, I've no routine. It's just whatever kind of humour I'm in, you know? At times, like, it might be up bright and early. I've somewhere to go, like, you know? Especially being, like, involved with this YCW that I'm in at the moment. Like, you kind of... You could do stuff every day of the week if you wanted. So you get up early and you do it like that. But then there's days you just do nothing. Especially lately now, like, depression kind of sets in and out that lately. Especially with me, like, knowing that you're trying to do something and then... There's no opportunity to do it. You know, like, that's kind of, over the last four or five months, that's kind of the regular habit of me, like. You feel, like, kind of really cheesed off, like, at times, and you say, God, you're, you're trying to do something, and other people then can just go out and get jobs, like, you know? But then again, like, I suppose you could say, I wouldn't go out and get any job now that I'm trying to do something. I think that's the big barrier at the moment with me. Like, I wouldn't go out and just say, what, working in Burgerland or any place like that, because then I feel like you're lowering your standard because you're trying to do something. And do you look for many jobs? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you make loads of phone calls, you know, ring around all the builders and the likes of all that. But it's no good. They do say, ah, oh, we ring you back or whatever help. Because they're letting go all their own, their own people they have for years and years, and they don't want to take on somebody new they haven't seen, or they haven't seen their work or anything like that. And the papers, there hasn't been a job in the paper for the building game for the past like, three or four months. And I suppose some people say then, Gary, with you being trained as a carpenter, that you can always make things and uh, sell them. Does it work out that way? Well, I suppose it would if you had the capital behind it to do the likes of them things. But everybody just says, oh, you can make this or you can do that. But sure, nobody's any money to buy it now. Or nobody's any money to get you into hang a hall or anything like that. Because they just haven't got the money. Unless you have all the capital behind you. And a little place, maybe a few machines. But I mean, when I only come out of my time, like, I don't have the money to do that now, you know? Now, in your house, are there many others uh, uh, employed or unemployed? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm the only unemployed one at the moment. Like, like the father's a painter and then the other brother's a baker. And the other brother then is a sheet metal worker. Then the rest are just at school, like so. Like I'm the kind of oddball. You know? They were all kind of trying to do something. At the moment, I'm the only one out of work. And do you get the dole? Oh yeah, the dole. I'm on the assistance. It's not worth getting. I mean, only nineteen pound a week. Like you, you can't live on that. It's very hard. You know, you feel kind of you can't go out with your friends, and you can't be kind of straight with all your friends. Oh well, I can't go here because I've no money, you know. And then they're afraid to ask you. Then, oh God, he's no money, so we can't ask him to go out. So you're kind of backing away from everybody and anybody just because of no money. You know, you know social life, aren't you? And can you afford now to have a girlfriend? Uh, pass. <laughs> well, I have my interest cert, I'm leaving cert now, but no job. Well, we went to Anklefurst to see if um, I get a course. They told us we had to left school six months, so there's no chance there. So then just walked around looking for jobs in factories and applying everywhere. No chance. <laughs> So you have never worked, not even a day? 
I work um, on Saturdays. But, like, there's no chance of a full-time job there either. And what kind of job do you do on uh, Saturday, Lorraine? Um, it's in a cafe. Just, you know, serving people. Now, suppose you got a job like that for, you know, five days a week, would you take it? Well, I don't really like working in cafes, because, you know, I think... I don't know, it's... I just wouldn't like that, because I feel, you know, after doing your leaving cert, you should get something better than that. I don't think I'd mind any other job, really, besides a cafe. Because I've been working part-time for, what, near three years, Saturday, so... Don't really like it. <laughs> well, Lorraine, when you got your leaving cert, did you feel that uh, you wouldn't have much difficulty in getting a fairly good job or some job? Well, I thought, I knew that there was a lot of unemployment, but I thought we would have got a job. Because, you know, after going through all that school, you know, just presume you're going to get a job, especially after getting your leaving cert. After mass on Sunday morning to the local forage yard. I've only got a belt for quit, it won't go very far. Then it's home to dinner of bangers, beans and mash. We used to have the Sunday joint when we had the cash. I'm on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole. It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man, the grub, the gas, the coal, when you're signing on the door This thing they call recession When is it going to end? It's driving decent people Halfway round the bend They say that it will take three years But that seems far away While we struggle on to make ends meet Every other day I'm on the door On the door On the door On the door it's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man, the grub, the gas, the coal, sure isn't much left over when you're signing on the dole. I'm on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole. It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man, the grub, the gas, the coal, well, up about up about nine o'clock, go down, listen to Gayborn. If the weather's any good, you go with a ramble. Back about two o'clock, see if we can get a paper, and then. Just read a book up to the library. It's uh, it's just one dull day all the time, like, you know. Tomorrow will be the same, the day after will be the same. You have nothing to look forward to. You're just uh, you're in the twilight zone. And uh, you've actually you have nothing to look forward to. Some, some I have friends now, they... They're on all sorts of tablets, they're suffering from this, they're suffering from that, and it's all in their minds. It's because they have nothing to do. And uh, there's an odd punching match, husband and wife in the middle of the road. Everybody knows what's going on, they've got accustomed to it. They know it's over the few shillings. They put it down to drink, but they don't have the money to go out and drink. It's just general depression sets in and then there's a, there's a rare-up. And uh, I do often have my own rare-ups. 
But that's beside the point. You have to try and get over them. But I can't see no uh, immediate benefit coming to me. Like I said, if I was a single man, I wouldn't be in this country for one minute. Well, Edward, after being then, say, three years without a job, do you kind of accept it or come to grips with it or decide that you have to live with it and make the best of it? Well, I've come, I've come to grips with it means that uh, you sit back and wait for something to happen. I suppose I've come to grips with it because uh, I've been listening to all these uh, different politicians from different parties. They go out, if you keep looking, just keep looking, keep looking. There's nowhere to look. I mean, there's a, you can go into town, now you're walking because the bus fare has just gone up and it's cost you 58p just to look at a bus this weather. You just knock at the door, any vacancies. Well, you know before you knock at the door that you're going to, sorry, not today, or we're letting people go. That's the, that's the most regular answer. We're letting people go ourselves, like, you know. But uh, I reckon I've come to grips with it, but I'm not happy with it. Just sit at home every day, watch the telly, listen to the radio. That's about all I do. Karen, what time do you get up now mm. in the morning? Well, I don't get up in the morning. I get up about one, sometimes half twelve. The earliest I get up is about nine. That's to go to the clinic to get the assistance. That's every Wednesday morning, and apart from that, one or whatever. And how much money do you get now from in the clinic? £22 for the whole week. What do you do now with the £22? Well, it's not really much I can do with it. I have to buy my own clothes out of it. And then sometimes with money left over, I go out, you know, with my friends. But it's not much you can do with £22. Now you spend the whole day watching television or listening to the radio? Yeah, the whole day. Because there's nowhere to go around there, please. Like, we've no youth centre, no clubs. So just the whole day I sit around watching telly or listening to the radio. And what's your mother say to you? Well, at the start, she was kind of, you know, get out there, get a job, get up early, you know, why don't you help in the house? But now I think she realises that there's not much I can do because there's nowhere to go, you know, as I said. So now she doesn't say anything to me. She just kind of understands that, you know, there is a lot of people unemployed and it's not their fault that they can't get jobs. And how many now are <coughs> in your house altogether? There's six in the house. And one of my sisters, she's not living there, she's married. And my dad's working and my other sister's working, my elder sister's working. And the other three are in school and I'm sitting at home, I'm unemployed. Well, Jerry, family life then for you, is it the same as it was? Or does family life change for people when the husband is out of work? Does it cause, uh, you know... Uh, it causes degrading. Uh, I, I don't mean, it causes tension anyway, it must. Oh, it does cause tension, it causes a lot of friction. I mean, you're very, like, uh, the guy that tells you he's not sharp with his kids, and, and not all the time, but on certain occasions when a bill pops in the door, like, okay, the ESB bill is £34. You're, you're just only getting your labour on Tuesday, which is, for me, with four kids, it's £80.80. So, by the time you spend on the, but then you come, you come along, then you get your, your bill, it drops in. Okay, you go across, you see the leaving officer. Leave it with me, he tells you. Call back the next day. But you're worried then, how much is he going to give you? Is he going to give you 15, 20, 25? What's he going to give you? If he only gives me 15, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get to the 14 pounds? You know, you're, you're up, you're up the wall and then the uncle comes in. And he gives you a bit of stick, a bit of, you know, sleeve in remarks at you or something. 
What do you do? What do kids do? Kids already. What kind of remarks now, Jerry? Well, shut up. You know, it, it's it's terrible for someone to tell somebody else to shut up. But when a child tells you, like your own child says, oh, you shut up. Now he he doesn't mean it in in a cruel sense to you. But he he, he undermines you. And you do feel like, what did you say? And you do get very short with him. On occasion, you do give him the clatter. Not because of what he's done is wrong, or although it, but that telling him to shut up is wrong, but on certain little things, doing things like mowing his grub or something, you're not a slave now. Like I do a lot of cooking now. Like I, really, I should be wearing the niggers, and she should be out doing the, trying to get a job. Because seemingly the women can get the job better than the better than the bloke. But when you do cook and you sit over the, you you feel you get to feel how she feels, and they won't eat for you. Well, the bill, I say, comes in or something upsets you. And it is mostly finances that does upset you. you you're inclined to lash out at them. It's like, get that down, yeah. Anything I'm, I'm wasting, that's good money going to waste. You know, I could, I could use a lot of bad language here. I don't, I don't want to lose bad language. But you do like feel like screaming at them and fucking them from a height and get a hold of them and saying, look at here, eat it. And I've actually done it, like, you know, got the spoon and shoveled it into them. Carrots and the best of grub, like, what was it the best of grub? Because our meals are the filling. They're not completely protein. Like, you're talking about beans, well, they're full of, they're full of protein, but you get beans, I won't say every day of the week, but you get them three or four times a week. Sausages, eggs, chips now. Chips are seem, seem to be the only thing they'll eat. So they're only getting chips four or five times a week. And it's not good for them. Like we were told when we opened it, oh, eat your greens and eat your reds and eat your veggies. But my kids won't eat veggies. And that puts me in a short fuse because I'm trying to get it into them. Different things like that. Are you and particular, that, Dennis, about the kind of job you would take at the moment? Would it have to be in the no, motor assembly? No, no, God, no. I'm, I'm adaptable even that. 49, I'm, I'm adaptable. I can do most things. But you're yeah. usually told that you're too old now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the only thing that... Uh, or the impression you give is that the brain stops working after 28 or 30. And uh, when you point out to them that they're usually 65, the people who are interviewing you, or 60 anyway, and they seem to be functioning all right, you say, well, it's different, we're the boss. So bosses' brains function different than the workers, like, you know. <laughs> or that's the impression you get anyway. Now, you mentioned there that you are a pigeon fancier. Yes. Do you spend much time every day now with the pigeons? And how many pigeons have you got? <laughs> well, I do now that I'm, I'm off. I spend uh, most of my free time with them. I have um, 40 at the moment um, during the winter. That will rise during the summer when you breed the youngsters, like, you know and you started raising them. But um, it's a grand hobby because I think other than that, I go mad. Would you say, Dennis, that it is very essential for a person who is without a job to have some kind of hobby that can occupy their minds? Oh, yes, definitely. Any hobby, no matter what it is. It keeps them um, occupied, keeps the brain active, and it gives them something to do, makes them feel useful. And um, a hobby that you can see some results for, especially again, like, you know, because they feel that they're achieving something in life. Now, when you wake up in the morning, do you feel kind of 
fed up again. They say, here's another bloody day of no job, nothing to do. You feel guilty um, when you think of all your friends maybe getting up earlier, going out to work, working a hard, doing a hard day's work, and I only have to get up one morning in the week to go in and collect whatever money I'm due in the exchange. Now, what's that day like? Do you look forward to going in there? <clears throat> um, not really. Uh, it's a dreary place. They don't treat you too well. They have, uh, I think, we're up here and you're down there sort of thing about them. They don't, there's no courte courtesy at all. You just go in, queue up at one place to sign, go over to another place and queue up again and then come out. And that's it. And no. does it take many hours of the day to do that? Oh, that only takes an hour in the day, at most. An hour, an hour to an hour and a half. And what's now the usual thing you do when you get the money? Is there any certain thing that you do straight away? Do you walk and have a few pints? Sometimes I would, yes. Go into the pub, have a few pints, then straight home and hand up my money at home. Buy my fags for the week, and that's me for the week then, more or less, unless father give you a few bob to go out on Saturday night. It's depression for me. Don't get me wrong, I do get, get out and enjoy myself as often and as much as I can, but it's very few and far between. Well, do you go for the few jars at night, Jerry? Which uh, nice. At night? You're cutting me. I get out, I, I get paid on Tuesday. I'm in a fishing club. That's me, that's my, my let out. That's my extension hose. That's for blowing off steam. That's what I do. I do a bit of fishing. And I'm a happy as Larry on a beach or in a boat. I really am. I get, no matter how depressed I am going out, and I get the rod in my hands. Whether I catch nothing or not, it doesn't make any difference. But I'm happy. And I come home happy and contented. Well, that's what they want to treat our kids, to be happy and be contented. And if it means subsidising them, for them to go out and fish, or to go into boxing, or karate, or running, or any other kind of leisure sport that they care to take into, to get into. If the government subsidised them on that extent... The young people today, they're, they're in the worst position, in a sense, that they've never worked, a lot of them. And um, they need the jobs, really, more than me, because um, they have to look to the future. They have to get married, and... Uh, you just, the old saying, you can't live on love, well, that's for sure. You have to have money, you have to have a job. You have to have some security for them. So if, even if the young were fixed up, I wouldn't feel so bad about myself. You know, but and as for my age group at the moment, there's certainly not nothing on the horizon. But as I said, it's the, it affects the young too, and even more so. So it's them I really feel sorry for. I've worked hard all my life, and I'll tell to you no lie. Down in the local dockyards, as a man and boy. But now the bosses tell me they'll have to let me go. I'm just another number, I'm signing on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole. It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man, the grub, the gas, the coal, sure isn't much left over when you're signing on the door. Christmas, I suppose, is a time when you have to spend more money than at any other time of the year, especially a man like you with children. This Christmas now, how did it go for you? 
Well, we barely, we barely struggled by. We got by, as he always say in the Dublin, uh, you get by somehow or other. But I tell you, there was one aspect of the Christmas uh, social welfare payments that uh, I was di bitterly disappointed in. Uh, that, and that was the double week, the bonus week for the social welfare recipients. Uh, Barry Desmond made a statement just before the uh, North Central by-election that uh, there will be a bonus payment paid out to social welfare recipients. Now, he clouded that issue. He, uh, everyone that I knew was under the impression that he'd uh, received this bonus week, and they planned accordingly. But then when the by-election was over, it uh, surfaced that uh, everyone barred the unemployed. Everyone barred the unemployed, received it. Now, no way do I knock the people that got it. They deserved every penny they got. But we had a meeting over in uh, a clubhouse over there in Darndale. It was called the Unemployed Action Committee for Darndale and Belcamp. And we had uh, representatives from all the political parties. And there was some questions there that they just had no answers for. There was one chap stood up and... Uh, He's living beside the deserted wife with six kids. Now, he has seven kids, and uh, he's been on the labour for four or five years. And he asked a question, how come that the deserted wife's children next door was better, treated better by the government than his kids? And he was asked, uh, what do you mean by that? And he said, it states in the Constitution that every child will be cherished equally. And he wanted to know, why was his kids not as equal as the person next door? And he said he had no answer for it. He had just had no answer for it. I, I, I was bitterly disappointed. And, of course, at that time of year, everyone can use the few shillings. But we were led to believe we'd get it. And uh, they're, they're just not doing anything for the unemployed. Well, Edward, you say then that a person, say, <clears throat> uh, who is in prison and has a wife and family, or a family that is... Uh, organised by the deserted wife and the husband has gone away, that they do better than, say, the like of <coughs> you that has the wife and the family with you and you're under the dole. Well, if, uh, if anyone wants to check up on this, they only have to get the little booklets from the social welfare departments. If I was to go out tomorrow and commit some crime and I was to get locked up, my wife then, if I was sentenced to more than six months, my wife would get prisoner's wives' allowance. She would qualify for a payment of between 30 to £40 a week more than I'm getting while I'm working. Now, there was another chap stood up at that meeting, and he reckons that the legislation at the moment is an affront and an insult to his marriage, because he reckons he's been penalised because he's married. That if he was to go out and get into crime to get a few shillings, that his wife would be better off and it'll cost the state 200 or £250 a week to keep him in the jail. Now, where's the sense in that? But that is the system as it is at the moment. So there's an awful lot of people, and that's going through their minds, that if they do get caught, so they have no worries, so she'll be looked after. She'll get the extra few shillings, and she'll get her, I might learn a few tricks while I'm in there. <laughs> so uh, it's crazy. Well, Jerry, do you hope at all now that you'll have a job? I'd like a job, nothing better. Because I don't think there's nothing better to, for, for your children to see. Or my dad's working. God, it's grey. It must be. Like, oh, there's a couple around me. There's not, there's not many. There's 88 houses in the scheme I come from. In Coolock. 
That's all I was built in my little area, most few courts. I'd say there's 26 people working. The rest of us are unemployed. Long-term unemployment. We're not just uh, knocked off for a year or something. I'm talking about we're all on assistance. And then we get sick. You know, we get, get, we get so depressed and uptight. And he pumps all kinds of shit into us. Not, not, I don't mean him, him himself personally, but his, his policy, the policy of take the tablet, you'll be all right. Before we know where we are, we're up in Brandon's, or Paul Rand. Now, there's married men in this country, in Dublin, and probably not alone Dublin, but elsewhere. But we'll say Paul Rand, for example. You can go up to Paul Rand now and sign yourself in. If you feel fully, you know, you can't handle her anymore, you're going to do damage to yourself or to your kids, your wife or your home, you can go in and sign yourself in. And you'll be paid. You'll still get paid. Actually, you get more money. I've never gone into it. I know. I, I don't know. I, God, I might have dreaded the of that. But that—that's the kind of situation that I'm putting us in. That it's away you go. Take the tip. Take the pill. Keep taking the tablet. You'll be all right. There's nothing wrong with you. Go on, take the tablet. <laughs> There's only so many. That's supposed to get rid of the depression. Oh yeah, this is like you know. That results from having no job. Oh yeah, but they blame us. Like the TDs and the, the rest of them, they blame me. I should be able to go out there and get a job. There's nothing to stop me from going out there to get a job. There's no jobs out there. So what way I told I, I now, I've no way out of this situation I'm in. It's a catch-22, I'm going to be cut every time. And if me and me misses stick together, if we do, and that's a big if, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with me marriage or anything, but the pressure does, and eventually it probably will tell on us. I hope not. But if it, if it did, we stuck it out and everything was grand. My kids would grow up and they were all right. Everything was all right. I'll be punished in another 30 years' time for being unemployed now. That's crazy. I don't see why they should punish me. They shouldn't give me a standard of living that would leave me well off or, you know, snug. I should, there's nobody here that's unemployed should be snug. But I shouldn't be below the line certain line. I should be able to go out and enjoy myself to a certain extent. I don't, I'm not talking about going out every night in a few jars. I smoke. I find it very hard to give up smoking. I try it a few times. I can't. It's, that's another little bit of a let off me. And you asked me about the jar. I'd say I've been totally intoxicated out of the mind I'd say about maybe twice, three times a year. But there was a time when I could go down to the boozer and drink eight and ten and maybe twelve points. Now I drink three and I'm half gargles. Because it's not in my system. It's a whole totally new experience to me. And it's only once a week. Now if I'm not entitled to three little points to get out of the house as well, to socialise with the friends or whatever is there, you know, game of pool or game of cards or darts or something. Well, you know, I might as well be, I might as well be banged away. I might as well go out and smash a window or something. Or, you know, well, I'm not saying that's kind of encouraging vandal and things like that. But you know, you know what I mean? I, I might as well be not here. Bang me in a box. Give me the injection and put me away. I don't mean put me away. Put me out altogether. Hey, I'm on the door. On the door. On the door. On the door. 
It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man the grub, the gas, the coal, sure isn't much left over when you're signing on the dole. I'm on the dole, on the dole, on the dole, on the dole. It's enough to break a poor fella's heart and soul. By the time we pay the rent man the grub, the gas, the coal,